This is Color Speak, unveiling truth for light. Hi, I'm your host, Janet Huxley, author J.M. Huxley. Welcome to this podcast to unveil truth and uplift you. If color is a product of light, it stands to reason God is color. If light is where you'll find truth, truth is where you'll find color. Well, you know how that goes. Color may not be the physical truth of an object. It may be perspective, according to science, but the truth of color is not limited to the allegorical. Color is God. It's his love for you. Have you ever thought of color this way? Color celebrates what God has done from the beginning and what he is still doing. Color cheers us on. Can you even imagine living in a monotone world? Color helps us get through life abundantly. So we may not see color function in the shadows, but that doesn't mean it isn't available for us there. All it needs is a little light to shine and start vibrating and shifting. Because you know, when light hits an object, it causes it to rearrange its electrons in a process called transition. So it causes color to be seen. Color is all about perspective. Sometimes that's easier said than done. Well, today we're going to talk with Donna Bess, who is a mom of three beautiful children and four amazing grandchildren, who has worked in the healthcare profession for over 20 years. And she's walked through many difficult turns of life. Her passion now is to help people who have been sidetracked or sidelined by tragedies in their lives and those who have lost hope in realizing their dreams. I am so excited to have Donna here because she's going to talk about some of the valuable lessons she has learned about leaning into Jesus. And we hope that it'll help you find your destiny. Welcome, Donna, to Color Speak. Thank you, Janet, for having me. It's a blessing to be here and an honor, truly. And I love your podcast. I've listened to a number of them. And Yay! Yeah, I actually shared several of them with other people. So I, I love what you're doing. It's a, it's really a blessing and something that's needed in our culture right now. You know, positive, hopeful words for our culture is what most people are lacking. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, you know, it's all God. It's completely spirit led, as you know. He every week gives me the person that needs to be heard from. And that's you this week. And I I met you, as you know, I'm just sharing this with the audience on a Zoom call. And you were highlighted to me. I don't know how many women were on that first call we were on. And I was drawn to you. So I knew that he had told me, he tapped me on the shoulder at that point and said, yeah, that's that's Donna. You're going to connect with her and she's going to be on the show. So I'm glad we've made that happen. I know that we have both jumped through hoops today. <laughs> but I want to hear all about some of the hoops you have jumped through recently, uh, including that new grandbaby. But fill us in. What did I miss? Oh, so many things. Well, the newest thing, of course, is the grandbaby that was born last Wednesday. And um, he... Congratulations. That's you. so exciting. And he just came home today from the NICU. He's beautiful. Or him. It's been hard. His mom has had COVID and dad was a contact person, so they couldn't be around him. So mm. Nana stepped in to be with him at the hospital so that he wasn't alone and you know, it's been a blessing to be here and just really to 
I mean, it's been special for me to be locked in a room with him for five days. <laughs> oh, um, you know. So what's his name? His name is Luke. Oh, what a beautiful name. What a special name. Yes, yes. So he's so beautiful, though. I mean, Aww. children are such a gift. Honestly, the face of God, I'm telling you, I know people say they look like little prunes or whatever. I say, oh, that's not even true. That's not even close. I look at them and I think this is the face of God here straight from heaven. Oh, my goodness. Well, they're created in his image. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I had the privilege of praying over him. I told my daughter, I was like, he's probably the only four day old that's heard the entire Bible because I let the Bible (laughs) play on the room the whole time. And so I was like, he's heard the, almost the entire Bible now. So, you know, his destiny is already set where he's going to be a mighty man of God and a warrior for yeah. Christ. So anyway, yeah. I am. Um, yeah, pray those verses over him too yeah. and select a special one for him. I did that for my first grandson and continue to do it. But I mean, I was just really intent on, okay, this is going to be your verse. Mm-hmm. And and it's 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 nearly prophetic, I'm telling you. It's amazing to see how they will live up to those blessings mm-hmm. when you choose a verse for them and proclaim that over their lives. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to do that and really think about it that way. I was just intent on praying, healing over him mostly. <laughs> and Yeah. You know, so that he can come home to be with his mother. <laughs> and, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, I know that's traumatic. You know, my daughter, She had a C-section with her first, well, with all of them, but she has four. But the first one was was the traumatic one when Henry was born because she wasn't allowed to move because of the C-section and he was in the NICU, which was two floors above her. And so I got the call, you did, mom, please just go to the NICU and be with him since I can't. And I thought that was, that's pretty miserable for a new mom not to be able to be with her baby. That's rough. I, yeah. I, I said today, I was like, I have cried so many tears this week. I've probably cried enough to float Noah's Ark. I was just, <laughs> it has broken my heart every time I've talked with her. Yeah. She just cries because she can't be there. And I was like, this is, this is trauma, you know, mm-hmm. to see your child hurt like that. It's just terrible. So, I mean, he was doing fine, but she just, because she couldn't be with him, you know, that's really hard. And, and it was this time, it wasn't because she had the C-section. It was because of that COVID. dreaded COVID yes. nonsense. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. Well, I may be well, we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I, yeah. yeah. I, I, I need to, I hear the Lord say, stay in your lane. Stay, stay in, in your lane, lane <laughs> Janet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so let's talk, talk about... Seriously, and I do plenty as we all are. It's amazing how many people are on the same page. It's not the mainstream media, so don't listen to them. Anyway, um, so so tell me what else I missed about your family. So, how many children do you have? How many grandkids do you have? have Three children, and I have four grandchildren. I raised my children mostly as a single mom. I um, had a husband for the first. Mm, let's see. My oldest one was, my youngest one was, uh, 14. My youngest one was 14 when he passed away, but for years he traveled a lot and wasn't home. And, um, and then like the last five, almost five years of his life, he had cancer and was not emotionally well. (laughs) And so, um, I, uh, I've raised them mostly as a single parent. 
And uh, so he passed away then. Yes, he did pass away. I'm sorry. Yeah, he passed away actually on the same day that I buried my mom. Oh um, dear! I left her graveside. My pastor and I were going up to the hospital to see him, and I walked in the door and I was like, "Uh, let me go get the nurse." And <laughs> so, about thirty minutes later, he took his last breath, and um, I just remember sitting in the room that day, you know, with this blank. I've never felt blank in my life because I'm a talker, so. I always have something to say, but (laughs) (laughs) you're in good company. But that day I like literally was like, I was the blankest blank. Like I couldn't think I couldn't speak. I just, there was no thought. There was just nothingness going on in my head for probably a couple of minutes when all of a sudden mom brain kicked in. I'm like, Oh my gosh, the kids are on their way up. You were going to stop it. But um, yeah, it was just like, it was so surreal that I was like, I just watched them lower my mom into the ground and now my husband died today. That's not, uh, how, how do you think, of, how do you process that, you know? So. Yeah, that's a lot at once. Yeah. Well, maybe God just wanted you to deal with all, all at once, you know, <laughs> well, so that you can move on. I don't, I don't know. But so you, so, and that's part of your message. I mean, yeah. so you're in, you're in the process of writing a book yes. and the book is all about how to deal with this sort of trauma. And you've yeah. had, You've had a lot of that in your life, and I want to get on to that. I want you to tell us about that, um, because it's important that we understand where you're coming from. And, you know, we've heard this time and time and time again, but I don't think it can be overstated. The place of your greatest pain is is your greatest platform. Yeah. And I know when we're going through that, and, I, and I've done it myself, like I've looked at God and, you know, kind of grumbled, well, I don't, I don't want to help anybody with this. I just want to get through it myself. Yeah. And then once I get through it, I realize, okay, that happened for a reason. And yeah, I mean, if if I can help someone else maneuver through this or avoid this or whatever it is, yeah. if I'm in a place where I can help other people, it does take a little bit of the edge off. Yes. And so it is important because that's what we're called to do. Yeah. So you have a long history of traumatic experience. And because of this, you're currently writing a book on how to overcome all of the overwhelm. Yeah. And your feeling is that, you know, we need to be careful not to be sidelined by this trauma. And you also said, and I want you to talk about this, you know, we'll talk about what you've been through, but I also want to circle back. So remind me that you stated most walk away from the church when they've gone through this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I want you to explain that. But first, tell me, tell me what, what your catalyst was, I guess, for writing this book that's in the works. Well, um, honestly, probably um, I had only been saved maybe you know, six, seven years. And um, already there had been enough things that had happened in my life that people were like, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. Well, I'm in my 20s. And I'm like, mm, I don't think so. And uh, so I just kept <laughs> kind of blowing that off, you know, and then I was in my 30s. And I got a couple prophecies about writing a book. And so I thought about it for like a couple seconds, because, you know, it was a prophecy. And I was like, but, you know, well, for me, I am not like you and I don't have a literary degree. So I'm like, oh, okay, phooey. What, what does one do to write a book? Like, I don't even know. So I just kind of like put it on the shelf at, at the time. This is back when you had to use the card catalog at the library. Right. So I got a bunch of <laughs> <laughs> on how to that was yesterday, book. wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, gosh, it feels like yes. it was. Yeah. It feels like it was a dec- decades and decades ago. 
So I got a bunch of books on how to write a book and it just overwhelmed me. So I was like, never mind. So I didn't do anything then and I moved on. And, um, and then like the year before last, like last year, last year I was greeting at the door at church and these two women came in that were not a part of our church. I'd never met them before. And she comes in and, um, and she asked me my name and I tell her and she goes, I see it on a book. <laughs> nice. Uh, okay. She goes, what? She goes, what is your platform? I'm like, my platform? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? And she goes, well, what are you passionate about? I'm like, truth. I'm passionate about truth. The truth will set you mm, free. But Me too, sister. Oh, I love it. Steep yourself in truth. You are going to fly off the rails. It's, you're never going to be able to stop it. And uh, she goes, yeah, I can see that on the cover. And uh, even though that's not a title that I really thought about. But um, so actually, uh, the title that I originally started with that I really, really wanted was The Voice of Truth Tells Me a Different Story. But it's a song. It's a line in a song. So I I, love that. Casting Crowns. Yes. So I can't. They're awesome. They are awesome. And I love the line. And I just feel like that that is really my message. But I can't use it. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, that is the truth. I mean, the voice of truth does tell me a different story because in the middle of all the traumas, there is a a despair and a hopelessness that tries to overtake you and Mm -hmm. you have to really work to combat it. You have no options to work to combat it, or you can succumb to it and you can just, you know, decide that this is the way your life is. And I've seen so many people just decide, well, it's, you know, like I work in healthcare and people are like, well, I expected to have heart disease. Everybody in my family has heart disease. It's just, they, they accept that this nope. yeah. is going to wreck yeah. your life. And, and um, I don't think that that's God's way. And I want people to start taking a look at what they're embracing. And I believe that the truth of the word of God is life and hope and goodness. And, you know, the scripture that says the goodness of the Lord chases after me. I mean, I believe that's who God is. That doesn't mean my bet my life is a better roses. That doesn't mean my life is without traumas. But it means in the middle of it, the goodness of the Lord is still chasing after me, and He's going to have His way. And um, today on um, yesterday, I don't know, I've lost track of time at the NICU this week. But on Facebook, um, I posted that I was going through this struggle, and um, I was reminded of a a W Tozer. Um, I love, I love him. him. <laughs> I love <laughs> him. <laughs> and like in one of his books, I don't know which one, but um, he talks about how the sovereignty of God. And I love the way that he has this analogy. He says, the sovereignty of God is like, when you go to get on a ship, there's a captain and he has a plan. He knows where he's going. He knows what obstacles to avoid. He knows what he's got to do to get there. He knows all the things that are going to happen. He goes, you get on the ship. You don't know his plans. You don't know where he's you know, how he's planning to get there. You just know that you have a destination and you're going to trust him to get you there. He said, but you get on the ship and you know, maybe somebody's sunbathing, maybe somebody's fighting, maybe somebody's gambling, maybe, you know, whatever you're doing, it's your choice. And you have a choice because of God's sovereignty. So God sovereignly gave you the ability to have choice. So if God sovereignly gave you the ability to have choice and you decide to abandon the ship, so to speak, then that's still your choice. And God is still sovereign because you only have the ability to make a choice because God sovereignly gave you the ability to have choice. And yeah. so 
So, but the ship is going to reach its destination. Whether you choose to go along with it or fight against it is up to you. And, um, and you know what else I think is cool is when you think about it, because he transcends time and he's sovereign over time, he's already at the port waiting for you as he was, he's still back at the dock yeah. sending you off. Yeah. It's crazy to wrap your mind around yeah. that, that he is right now with you being born yes. and ending your life. It, yes. It's just, it's overwhelming when yes. you think about that, but so encouraging that but, he's always yeah, with hope. you every step of the way. Yeah. There's hope yeah. in that, you know, because even when you feel like, you know, maybe I've gone off the rails and I, I did, I went off the rails. I'll admit it. I went off the rails and I like, <laughs> did, I had some bad times after my husband died, but, um, you know, even mm-hmm. in that time, um, as actually when I repented and I was driving away from the situation, um, there was a song that came on the radio. Um, I think it's a Kathy Brown song too. I think I love them. Uh, it's, um, uh, shoot. It's, um, something like, uh, who am I? Who am I? Yeah. That the star, that the Lord of all the earth. Yeah. Would would choose to, yeah. Yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. And, um, so I'm listening to the song as I drive away from the situation, I'm feeling broken that I even, surrendered my life into this situation in the first place. I feel like I'm the lowest scum of the earth and there's just no point. There's just no hope. But I had Christian music playing in the car because I always know that even though I feel that way, the truth is it tells me a different story. So I have the Christian Mm -hmm. music playing. The song comes on. It's the first time I've ever heard it. And it broke me. I pulled off to the side of the road and I cried. I listened to that song probably every day, 15 times a day for weeks to try to get past the experience and feel like that I was a worthy human again. And um, so I just know that every time that I feel like I have stepped away from God's plan for my life or done things that I probably didn't really listen to him, but I thought they were good ideas, you know, good ideas are not always God ideas. And, uh, you know, it takes growth and maturity to kind of settle into, is this a good idea or is this a God idea? So, um, you know, anyways, but I, I, uh, anytime I've done that, I always feel like, you know, truth is what leads me back. And, um, like my favorite scripture is when Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat and, you know, Jesus is truth. His name is truth. And I'm like, truth is, there's a storm raging around, but he's he's not in the storm. He's at peace, asleep in the back of the boat. Mm-hmm. So that's the picture that I have hanging in my house, in my bedroom, because it just reminds me, no matter what chaos might be going on around me right now, no matter how big the waves seem to be, Jesus is right here with me and he's not he's not disturbed. He's not having a problem. Well, yeah. And I, I want to say the Who Am I, I, I pulled up the lyrics. I just love it. For those that don't know, it's called Who Am I? And it goes, Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt? Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way for my ever wandering heart? And it goes on, you know, like I'm a flower quickly fading here today and gone tomorrow always reminds me of William Wordsworth and um, some of his poetry. But the thing is, I mean, it's it's so hard for us to wrap our minds around the fact that the same God that it, it's crazy knows intimately every single human being 
that's not only alive here, but that's been, that's ever been alive. Mm-hmm. And yet he still cares for each one mm-hmm. of us. And I, I have a hard time with this, to be honest, Donna, because sometimes I think, how, how can, how can you love me that much? How can I be that worthy? How can I fill in the blank? Mm-hmm. Who am I? You know, as the casting mm-hmm. crowns song says, and by the way, when they were in Kansas City years ago, we got a chance to meet them. They were just so incredibly fabulous, sweet. I love that band. So it's one of my favorites. I love that you brought brought them up. But so, you know, you've, you had this, there's a, that's a lot to go through to lose your husband and your mom simultaneously. So did you, at that point, you said you sort of checked out, you moved away from the faith. You uh, felt I, like... I really did. Um, mainly because, well, I was, you know, I was finishing up nursing school. Um, so this week that my mom was buried on Tuesday and my husband died on Tuesday, he was buried on Friday. So I missed a whole week of nursing school. And back when I went to nursing school, it wasn't like it is now, <laughs> you know, you mean you, yeah. they, they kick you out if they think you might be a problem, you know? Mm-hmm. So they called me on Friday after I got home from the funeral to tell me that they were kicking me out and I could come back next year and start where I left off over again. Because it, you missed a week? Because I missed a week. Wow. That's harsh. Yeah. Back when I was in nursing school, we had to sign in and out when we went to the bathroom. They kept track of every hour we were sitting in our seat. So wow, it's like that now. I've taught nursing school and it's not like that at all. But that's how it was when I was in school. So um, but anyways, I had a bunch of teachers that, you know, went to bat for me. And finally, they changed it. And they told me that if I could get all three tests that I missed that week taken on Monday morning before nine o'clock and pass them, that they would let me stay in the program. So I, and I just want to point out at this point, you're a single mom, you have four kids, you've entered nursing school at about the age of 40. So it's a big deal. Yeah, You're really, you're, you're, you have a greater handicap, let's say than most. Yeah. But- well, yeah. So I, and do, remind me to ask you about all of the angelic experiences that the Lord pointed out that it was his way of saying, no, you're on the right track. And I'm going to confirm that for you. Yeah. Well, do you want me to tell you that now? Sure. Okay. Well, so when I first started into nursing school, um, before that, I had been working in ministry. And, uh, you know, you can't really support a family most of the time in ministry. So um, I was like, I've got to come up with a new plan. So um, I ended up going to nursing school and I was only in it one semester. And I was like, you know, in ministry, I had a little more latitude for whatever the needs of the family were. But in nursing school, as I already explained to you, there was no latitude. You were either Mm. or you were out. And uh, so the stress level of it was like significant. And so anyways, I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think this is the right thing. I think this is the wrong thing, you know? So I decided that I would finish out the semester. And then when the semester was over, I was just going to quit nursing school and get a job or whatever. I didn't know what I would do. And so um, I had a couple of experiences that were just kind of random at first. I didn't really think too much of it, but I was talking with the lady on the phone the night before to cancel a policy that we had because I couldn't afford to pay for it. And she goes in, in the process, of the conversation, she said, ask me why. And I said, cause I'm going to nursing school. She's like, you're going to be a really good nurse. And I got off the phone thinking, you don't know me from Adam, you know, you can talk <laughs> for 30 seconds and you think I'm going to be a really good nurse. What a ding that. I mean, I was just like, whatever, you know? And so I was like, she's just trying to be kind, <laughs> you know? So anyways, I didn't really put any stock in it at all. 
And uh, then the next day I was at school and I was going to be having lunch with a professor who, you know, I was the age of my professors, not the age of the students I was going to school with. So uh, I was waiting outside of her office for her to get done with the student meeting. And there's tons of students hanging around me. And I had this feeling like there was like a party of these students, like a party of the Red Sea. And I just had this feeling like this lady was walking towards me. And I looked up and briefly saw her. And it seemed like she was making eye contact with me, but I didn't know her. I mean, like, I'd never seen her. And so I just was like, she's not looking at me. I don't even know who she is, you know. So I put my head back down, and I was just studying. I was reading my notes. And then I feel that she's coming towards me directly. So I look up, and she says, you look so nice in that green shirt. I'm like, thank you. I mean, like, it was just an old green shirt. Like, literally, it was fading. But I was like, okay, well, thank you, you know. And um she's like, what are you going to school for? And I said, nursing. And she goes, well, you're going to be really good at it. And I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> you know. And so I went to lunch with my professor. And I told her all about it. And I described the woman. She didn't know who she was. She hadn't ever seen her. And I was like, well, she has to be like an administrator or a professor because she was not dressed like students. She was completely professionally dressed. And like she had a string of pearls. She just was very professional looking. And um, and she had the same exact words for you. You're going to yes. be really good at yes. it as the other yes. person that you spoke with on the phone yes. regarding the policy. Yes. Yeah, that's that to me is is extremely prophetic. I think that the Lord uses people in prophetic ways that aren't necessarily called to the office of pro- prophet, you know, uh-huh. but to hear that in exactly the same manner, in exactly the space in time that yes. you needed to hear it is to me extremely supernatural and very obvious, yeah. not coincidental. Yeah. But yeah, for me where I was, I still didn't hear it. <laughs> I know I've been there before. I have such a thick skull for crying I'm out like, loud. Uh, yeah. Yeah. People are lunatics, you know, they're not paying my bills and they're not living in my house, you know? And, right. Um, so anyways, I went to lunch and then after lunch, I went all the way across campus to go to the bathroom over on the other side of campus. And, there's never any people over there. So I, I went in and um, I come out of the stall and this woman walks up to the mirror because I'm standing there washing my hands. She walks up to the mirror. She doesn't wash her hands. She doesn't go to the bathroom. She just says, you're going to face a lot of obstacles, but you need to stay the course because you're going to be really good at this. And I was like, <laughs> looking at her like, That's the same Who thing. are you? And so, <laughs> so anyways, she walks away. So she didn't come in the bathroom to go to the bathroom. She didn't go to the bathroom. She didn't wash her hands. And she didn't do anything. She just walked in, talked to me, standing at the mirror, and then left. And I was like, wait, who is that? So I ran to the door, and there was nobody there. And I knew that I had had an encounter with an angel. And uh, That is cool. So, that is so cool. So that made my decision. I would not quit nursing school no matter <laughs> So. It finally took it. It took the third strike, right? For you to really hear the message. Wait a minute. What is happening? And that's the greatest that's awesome. thing about God. You know, even when, you know, when you love him, he's going to stick with you till you get the message. You know, I mean, I just, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like he's like, you know, sometimes you guys are dense, but you know, uh, well, one of the favorite, one of my favorite things that you said earlier before we even started on the podcast episode was He's screaming in the dark. Yeah. Explain that. That is, that's profound. Well, I just feel like in the dark, we have a tendency to look inward instead of upward. And when we look inward, we can't see him. 
And he's like trying so desperately to get our attention. And this is the perfect example. He's trying. He's like, Donna, I want you to go to school. And I'm like, yeah, but it's going to cost too much money. And I don't know how I'm going to manage this life. And blah, blah, blah. And I got 400 reasons why it cannot possibly be God. And, you know, and it's just like, I just felt like he was screaming, go to school. You know? And it just took like three times to even get my attention, you know. And, um, and then when I did, when I did get it, when I didn't see anybody in that hallway, I was like, okay, God, I get you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and I've had experiences like, you know, where he just, you know, has had to represent something to me over and over again, because I can be a little thick sometimes. So, oh, you and me both, sister, (laughs) you know, I, there was a day where I've shared my rainbow stories on this podcast before and with you, I know, as well. But there was a day where I was praying for a rainbow as my Gideon fleece like (laughs) sign from the Lord. And uh, he had given him to me before and my kids were on a bus headed south with their school and they were encountering some pretty rough storms. There were tornadoes reported in the area. And I was praying like crazy here, give me a rainbow, God, just give me a rainbow to let me know that they're going to be okay. And then I went about my day and I had a lot going on. I was still homeschooling a couple of kids in the house. And later that night, a friend asked me to dinner. And so we're eating Mexican food, which is my favorite in the whole world. You know, I grew up in California and we're eating this Mexican food and I'm shoveling it in my mouth and she gets a text and she says, well, isn't that sweet? My fiance just sent me the most beautiful rainbow and she flips the phone around and there's this beautiful full rainbow over his property, which was a farm in Kansas. And I thought, yeah, that is, that's, that's really cool. Shovel, shovel, shovel. This is great food. Oh my goodness. You know, it's just, you know, I don't know what I was thinking, but it wasn't until I got home later that night and I was actually in my barn by myself and I was feeding the animals and tossing in hay. And I literally said it out loud. I said, that was my rainbow. (laughs) So it was my rainbow too. It was a shared experience because like you said, God is sovereign and he is over everything and he's omnipresent in every single thing, including a cell phone for crying out loud. So I'm looking to the skies for a rainbow. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's too easy. (laughs) I'm going to give you a rainbow. (laughs) I'm going to give you a rainbow on your friend's device tonight. And since then, you know, seeing those things everywhere, you know, when I ask for a rainbow, I walk into the library, there's a rainbow on a book, you know, and, or I'm driving down the road, just think, and, and I understand there's more rainbows out there now days than there used to be. Um, but still, you know, a rainbow's a rainbow. And when they're placed at just the right moment, yeah. the strategy makes sense. It's not a coincidence. Yeah. I love that. Oh, I used to tell my kids all the time, God's an economical God. Most lessons are not just for you. So, yeah. um, you know. Oh, yeah. That's true. So when, when she got the blessing of the rainbow, you know, God's like, well, we can take care of two of these things at the same time. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly it. Oh, wow. I love that. So you're sitting down and you're writing a book, which is super encouraging. I know a lot of people that listen to the podcast are wanting to do the same thing or in the process of doing the same thing. And I know that you've connected with a wonderful Missy Maxwell Wharton, who is the best in terms of just guiding you and encouraging you and cheering you to the finish line. So what that what has been what's that been like? And where are you in the process? Are you getting close to finishing? You said you don't really have a title yet. 
it. And I know that you're probably moving, you know, at a, at a pace that you probably would like to have a little bit have happen more rapidly if you're busy working as a nurse right now. Yeah. Well, um, so I've already written like 10,000 words. I mean, not 10,000, a hundred thousand words. Oh, good. And, and so, um, but I, when I wrote it the first time, um, I wrote it from the perspective of, of my Christian life. And, um, as I started to edit the story, Holy Spirit said, no, I want you to start it here. And I'm like, oh, but Lord, if I do that, then I've changed all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I decided, okay, I'm just going to see if this is really the Lord. So I, I had already written that, uh, like a four paragraph um, story about that incident. And I pulled it out and I started reading it. I just felt the Holy Spirit just like develop it in, in a matter of, like, well, it took me all day to write it because it ended up being 11 pages, but I cried all the way through it. Like I had to take breaks and pull myself together to come back to write this story. And I did, you know, it's so weird because I didn't even really see the power in it mm-hmm. until that moment, but it was the catalyst that started me on my journey to find the Lord. I didn't get raised in a Christian home. I had no Christians around me. Nobody knew any that talked about church. We had yeah, me too. my members that talked about church, but my parents thought they were hypocrites. So, you know, um, there was the only thing I knew about Christians is most of them were hypocrites. That's what my parents taught me. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I understand that. So with, with this experience that I had, which was when I was, um, just, uh, 20 days shy of 22 days shy of 18 years old. Um, I was driving on interstate in Orlando, Florida and had an automobile accident and my best friend, who was my soul sister, and I practically grew up with her because I, I had two older brothers. And so they were gone from the home by the time I was in middle school. And so she was always there. We were always together. And so this particular day, I um, had this automobile accident, and she actually died in my lap. It was a very, very traumatic time. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and as I was writing this story, I realized how pivotal it was in me finding Christ, you know, and, um, and then, and only then did I realize that in that dark place is often where we look up. And I was reminded of my dad who was served in three wars. And he said, um, people only believe in God when they're stuck in a foxhole and it's raining bullets all around. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I was like, well, but hey, what a precious time to believe in God, right? <laughs> right. You know, I mean, if you if you have to pick a time, that's the time to go and say, hey, Lord. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you know, this the Louis Zamperini story is if you've seen Unbroken or read the book, it's all about that. You know, he he's in a bomber and he they crash. It's during World War Two, and he ends up in the Pacific, and it's just it's the most hellish experience, honestly, where he, everyone dies, they're eaten by sharks or whatever, and he lives, and you know, he's he says he finally calls out to the Lord, listen, if you get me out of this, I'll believe in you. And yet that wasn't the end of it. He ended up in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. And, you know, it wasn't until much later at a Billy Graham, I believe, revival meeting, that's when it finally occurred to him. Oh, that's right. I said that. Because yes, when, when times are perilous, 
you're right. It, we we call yeah. out to him a little bit more than when when we're all cozy. And I I honestly think the devil does his best work when he when we're all you know set and we don't need anything. Yeah. But you okay? So th- this is a lot. So now the picture of trauma has just expanded exponentially because you've just told me that okay, well you've lost your best friend. You held her as she was dying. And then you would go on to lose your husband at at the same time that you've lost your mom. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot of loss. Mm-hmm. So what did that do to you? You didn't grow up, as you said, in a Christian home. When did you find Christ again? Remind me of that. And and when you went through all of this, you so you talk about the fact that this caused you to veer away from from Jesus, actually, so, that even though you just said that it causes people, right, mm-hmm. to... Trauma well, causes people to look for him. It didn't in your case. You you ran in the opposite direction. No, the the when I was eighteen, I was not saved, and I had one friend who was a high school teacher who reached out to me and always called and listened to me and encouraged me. I was making some horrific decisions with my life because mm-hmm. I was messed up, like royally messed up. And um, I was making horrific decisions, but this woman loved me. She cared about me. And I, to this day, I think of her as my oasis. She was the place where I could go and be loved despite the madness of my life. And Mm, um, that's good. So, and then um, when I was 22, I think I was, when um, I was over at a friend's house and she was just sharing with me, how she was really frustrated that she's presented the gospel to her husband. He keeps rejecting it. She's worried that he's going to end up in hell. And only then did I ever think, I might, I might be a person that ends up in hell. Like that might be. Mm, you know? Yeah, that's a scary and I, thought. And so, um, when I was like, I don't know, sixth grade, I was in a pioneer girls thing at church with my aunt, and my cousins one time, and we got these little tracks. And I had one of them in my nightstand, which oddly enough, Holy Spirit, um, this track stayed with me (laughs) for years. Like I got married, we moved like three times, but this track stayed in the nightstand. I always had this track. So after I had this conversation with this girl, I was like, I need to, I need to go read that track. So I got home and I put my baby to bed. I went and got the track and I read it and I was like, wow, this makes perfect sense. And so it says, you know, if you want to give your life to Christ, pray this prayer. I did. And it's like, if you prayed this prayer, tell someone you know that would be appreciative of that and and encourage you in your walk, go to a local church, read your Bible daily, that kind of thing. So the next morning, that was Saturday night, the next morning, I'm like, well, I need to go to church somewhere. So let's see, that was not too far. So I went to a Baptist church, not too far from my home. And when I got home, I called this woman who was my high school teacher. And I said, I need to talk to you. So when I went over to her house, I, um, I said, I just want to tell you that I um, got saved. She goes, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew the Lord told me you were getting saved, you know? And so the first thing she said, I just have a question for you. And I said, okay. And she goes, why did you tell me all these things that you were doing? And, um, you know, cause like when I was in a relationship with people and things like that, and mm-hmm. I was telling that stuff, she, I, she goes, why did you tell me? And I was like, I think because Inherently, I knew they weren't right, but you loved me anyway. Oh, yeah. It, you know, she showed you the love. She showed yeah. you the love of Christ, yeah. and that's the thing. I think that's where we need to be as believers. Yeah. That's where we need to be as a church, and and we are a shame on us for not being in that place. Yeah, and loving people where they are. Yeah, 
And, you know, I, I think we have to remember to stay in our lane. What is our message? Right. You know, our message is not one of judgment. That's yeah. not our call. It yeah. was never ours. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, I wasn't saved then, but I did get saved. And then when I walked away from the Lord, it was after I had already been saved. I had already been in leadership for years. My husband died. My mom died. I, I, I just started um, working as a nurse. My life had taken on such a drastic turn from being in the door of the church every time it opened, you know, like I, because I was in ministry, I was always there. And now I'm never there because you work every other weekend and every holiday, I mean, every other holiday, Mm -hmm. and you're just always pulled away from anything church related. And that, that was hard for me. It was very hard for me. And then I lost friends because I, it was inconvenient. And then I was alone. And then when I was alone, then I was mad and alone. <laughs> so, right. um, so I, I did take some steps away from faith and, um, they weren't long, but you know, they were bloody. <laughs> so, what brought you back around, Donna? Um, actually I, <laughs> I was, um, I was at this guy's house and, uh, you know, we always, it's so crazy. We always prayed together. He was in leadership in his church. Um, you know, we were having sex and I just felt like this isn't right. This isn't right. I mean, I've taught people this isn't right. So why am I mm-hmm. doing this? You know? And, um, and I finally just said, I, I can't do this. And he goes, well, I'm not going to get married to have sex. And I'm like, well, I guess we're done then. He goes, where are? So wow. that was rude. Yeah. <laughs> so I drove away. and telling. Yeah. 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 I drove Good away for broken, you. But I drove away and I was like, Lord, I don't care. I don't need anybody. I just need you. Can can you redeem me from this? I mean, I feel like I've, I've ruined myself. You know, I've ruined my testimony. I've ruined everything good and right about my life. I've ruined it all with three months with this relationship, you know? And it took me a long time to overcome it. Part of that was I went to my pastor to tell him, um, my pastor and another leader, I went there to tell them what I had done. And basically I was looking for absolution and I didn't get any. I got I got cliches and, you know, well, you know, God doesn't whatever. I don't even know what they said, but I knew the look on his face was your disgrace and a disappointment. And, um, Mm. and because I had worked with him for years, I could read his face. And, um, and that was it. I was, I was just like, okay, well, that's, that's it. They're, they're done with me. And, um, so. So what you're saying is the church kept you from a relationship with Christ because at that point in time, you're identifying Christ as the church. Yes. And so when the church screws that up, yes. then you have no choice but to think, well, I don't need, I don't need Christ. I don't need this. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And so then I got involved in another relationship. We didn't, we didn't have sex or anything, but we got married. I'm sure it wasn't God, but anyways, long story short, after seven years, he got a rifle to take me out. And I thought, that's time for me to go. Wow. So I, um, after that, I made some moves and tried a couple of different things to find myself. And, uh, about in 2016, I was depressed, so depressed. I wanted to die. I never tried to kill myself, but I prayed that God would kill me like a million times. And, um, so my friend, my dearest friend in all of life, Nancy, she, um, she's like, you need to move here. 
you, we, you need to be with us. And um, she and her husband were me and my husband's best friend. My husband, Nancy and I were friends first. And then our husbands connected and they became best friends. So she's like, you need to come here and be with us. So I did. I moved to Tennessee. And, um, you know. So are we your kids? How old are they at this point? They're all. Are good. they adults? They're all, okay. they're all adults. Mm-hmm. And where had you been? Um, I lived in Florida, then in Arkansas, then Colorado. Oh, okay. And then now. To- you were all over the place. I know. Yeah. That's the beauty of being a nurse. You can pretty much go anywhere. Yeah, well, and I know the group you are affiliated with now. So you've got some really terrific support in Nashville. Yes, yes. In the Nashville area, yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, the very first thing I did when I got to Tennessee is I was sitting out on her front porch. They live out in the country. And I'm like, first off, nature is healing. I'm just saying. It is. Yeah. Healing. And um, so I was sitting out on the front porch and I'm like, Lord, I don't even know what to do with myself right now. But I've like messed my life up. You know, I've messed it up. And I, I would like to find redemption, but I don't even know where to begin. And so um, I contacted a counselor that got me through the whole crisis with my husband. And um, he is in Florida, but I called him. And I was like, can you do counseling like over the telephone? Because like, I'm not coming over. I'm not coming <laughs> there, you know, to Florida. He's like, yeah, I could do that. So I met with him for several weeks counseling and he just got me back on the straight path. You know, he, he was like, you know, you're just believing lies and, you know, you have so much good in you and God wants to do so many great things in your life. And so let me stop you right there because I just want to interject because this is huge. If you're going to find a counselor, it needs, he or she needs to be a Christian counselor because mm-hmm. otherwise it's a waste of your time and money. Yeah. So I love that he was doing this for you. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. And, um, he, you know, he said, he said, uh, I was having some issues with my kids at the time. And he just said, you know, you have position as the matriarch of the home. You know, you have position in the heavenly places as a matriarch of the home. And you need to start using it and stop whining about what's not right. <laughs> so, yeah, good. Like, okay, thank you for that. So, um, anyways. I like people who call spades spades. Yeah, I really do. Me I mean, you know, it's it's a lot easier to live with someone who's direct and truthful. Yeah. Yep. Or to have those people as friends. Yeah, yes. that's very helpful. Well, I good. 100% agree. Yeah. I gravitate to people who are just honest. I, you know, I don't yeah. I don't like people who pussyfoot around stuff, you know. I, exactly. I, 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 that's me too. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And yeah, that's, and it's high time that we all adopt such an attitude because um, I, I think the majority of people are, are done with having, you know, being hoodwinked in life. But yeah. okay, so... So I'm looking at the time and my goodness, we're going to have to wrap up soon. And so I want to make sure I hit the highlights. So you've been working on this book. You're going to continue to work on this book. It sounds like you've made some wonderful progress. Will you be releasing it this year, do you think? Or is it going to be, are you thinking maybe next year? Next year. You know, it's hard to get too much time because I work a full-time job. And yeah, so I think probably next year, my goal, my goal is to have it done with the first well, the second round of edits, um, and get it to beta readers by the end of the year. That's my goal. Good. Yeah, that's a reasonable goal. And you know what, we talked about this, if you, if you don't achieve that, it's okay, too. Because as I shared, you know, with with a group recently, I, I was so upset with my first book that it wasn't out when it was out. And then a year went by, and there were all kinds of Mm -hmm. issues, and then more issues on top of more issues. And I just, 
I was devastated. And then it turns out (laughs) that the Lord knew all along. He was up there in front of me waiting for me to come around to that date that was the most important date, which was May 3rd. And it had been exactly 30 years since the commercial plane crash that killed the life of my dad Mm -hmm. when my book was released. And on May 3rd, my granddaughter was born. So it was really, really significant. And there I was like moaning and grousing and being down because it wasn't released prior to that date, but he had that in mind. So see, the thing is, he's already up there waiting for you, Donna. He's he's at that date and he's celebrating the launch right now. So yeah, I mean, you need to do your part, obviously, in making it happen and not procrastinate. But yeah, yeah, I I understand the whole, you know, you've got a million balls up and you're trying to juggle them all or at least catch a few. And and yeah, so well, that's, that's amazing. So, so you, you don't have a title yet. I know I've, I've had about 15 titles so far, but um, I, my, my second favorite title was when your champions fall. Um, let me see what I can't remember what it is now. Um, when your champions fall, finding uh, healing through the gateway of truth. And, um, and I liked the title. Uh, however, anybody I asked about it, like, what do you think of this book? And they think it's about sports, which my book doesn't have anything to do with sports. So, I was like, all right, well, maybe I need to, you know, change that. I don't know. It's, in my writing group, we've had several discussions about my title because, <laughs> <laughs> because um, I just can't get settled. I, I'll tell you, if I could pick anything, I'd go back to the voice of truth tells me a different story. I mean, it's just I, that screams what my message is. And um, well, how yeah. about the voice of truth is screaming? I don't know. Here's the thing. You you just when you take a few minutes you know, to really just hear when the Lord releases it, let's just say that because I will say none of my titles I've come up with at all. I mean, you know, I only have two published and I have another one that'll be published. I don't know, this year or next it's, it's finished in 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 editing. But I those the titles that I have had and used even color speak for crying out loud, all of those things, I didn't come up with any of them. Yeah, he did. Yeah, which is super fun. Yeah. So well, I'm so excited for your journey. I think, you know, and and we'll have you back on when you do your, when you finally, you know, when you get your book all squared away. But I just, I, I really encouraged you to come on today because I, I, I'm like those um, angels and other people that, that really truly feel the same thing that not only with nursing, but with your writing, that you are going to be really good at it. And you're going to touch lives with what you're doing and you're you're fulfilling your destiny and you're hearing what he has said for you and you're doing it and and I and I my hat's off to you. And you know, yeah, I mean I may have <laughs> so funny. I have a degree in journalism. But you but you know what I never used my I, when I I never thought I would write. So it's mm-hmm. it's just mystifying that when you hear that call like and you are obedient, which I was as you are you know, he just gives it to you. He makes mm-hmm. it happen. And yeah. and it's all it's all according to his time. And yes. you're just in the right place because you are trusting him every step of the way. Yes. And uh, that's exciting. I mean, wow, most people don't have three angels or two angels anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them that you're, you know, hey, you're on the right path. You're following your identity. You're, mm-hmm. you're living your purpose, mm-hmm. your sacred dynamic purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, most of the time on this podcast, oh, and by the way, I know I did want to mention Second Corinthians 4.18 when you were talking about something earlier, that verse where we say, so we fix our eyes not 
on what is seen, but what is unseen, mm-hmm. since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. And I just love that verse so much. Um, but so, so you know, normally me of something that Holy Spirit spoke to me the other day about the wilderness. The only people that didn't make it out of the wilderness were those who failed to dream or look beyond what was in front of them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And what is in front of you is often the invisible. So it's seeing what is there with well, your, I mean, uh, the eye of your heart. All they can see yeah. is trauma and tragedy. All, all you're right. See is, yeah. I'm without, I'm without, I'm without. But, you know, like uh, Caleb, you know, he's like, no, I see the promised land, you know. So the only yeah. people that made it out of the wilderness were people who could see beyond what was right in front of them, which is oftentimes what occupies all of our space, you know, like the chaos, the, the without parts of our life, the things that are less than, and that's what we have a tendency to focus on. I know uh, somebody I listened to, I don't even know who said this now, but she said, we need to spend more time um, gazing at God and glancing at our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of another song Alan Jackson, you know, he did that, but I think it's an older song, you know, where the things of the earth grow dim when he keeps his eyes on Christ. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, what we focus on manifests. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I normally I would ask, how do you, you know, have you ever seen miracles? Well, you've already shared those with us today and I'm so encouraged by them. And I hope that our listeners hear and think, you know what? I want to start being more mindful. And remember, our God is so responsive. So all we need to do is, like you've been saying, Donna, focus on him and wait on him and, and see truly see the ways that he communicates with us mm-hmm. and that he's there to encourage us onto the finish line. It's just so awesome. And, you know, before I let you go, I just, I want to ask you, is there anything else you would leave our listeners with some food for thought before we let you go today? Um, I think I would want to say, what if, um, what if there's this amazing future in front of you, but all you're looking at is what's right, right present and you're not looking beyond that. What if, you know, give that what if an opportunity, because I believe that God has amazing um, blessings for our life. And I'm not talking about the pie in the sky, all things go well, because you're a Christian. That's, that's, you know, you, you, we both know that's not always the truth, Mm -hmm. but you're blessed even in the trials, because that's a faithful God. And if you allow yourself to just think, if I take my eyes off of this situation and just believe what if there's more out there and allow yourself to think and dream, think and dream about what's out there. I think that you'll have better days, better nights. You'll sleep better because you're not focusing on the here and now. The here and now for most people is not pleasant. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of stuff happening in our world today. So, um, but what if there's more out there? If there is, think about that, you know, and I think that um, if you look at scripture, I think it's pretty clear that there is, I mean, we have, none of us, none of us have tapped into the potential that we have in God, none of us. And, um, you know, whatever, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, there's more. I agree. A hundred percent. Amen. 
Amen. What if there were no limitations? Mm-hmm. I love it. No fear, etc. Mm-hmm. Fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Donna Bess. We'll look forward to hearing more from you. And if anyone would like to follow Donna, you can find her on Instagram and Facebook. And we'll have all of that information up in the show notes. And so much. anything else you want me to share? Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on and spending this time. And uh, truly a blessing. And it's an honor to know you, Janet, really. It's an honor to know you, Donna. And you know what we didn't get? And I just will say you, you are rocking the nursing thing because you are a nurse with um, discernment. And I don't know that it's necessarily even discernment, but you're a nurse who knows truth and that's hard to come by these days. And I love that the Lord has called you to that medical profession because we need more people like you who are willing to stand for truth as opposed to just being spoon fed other information. That's all I have to say. I'm just, I'm, I'm honored to know you really. You give me so much encouragement. I think that gets back to all of those prophecies spoken over your life, those blessings, you will be really good at it because your timing is impeccable. We need people with you like you in this moment in time. And I I just think it's marvelous. So thank you and good luck on your writing endeavors and for that upcoming book and congratulations on your newest beautiful grandchild, all the things. Thank you. Godspeed, God blessings. And the rest of you, thank you so much for listening in with us tonight, today. We're actually at nighttime now, but by the time that it airs, you may be listening during the day and wherever you find yourself today, you are relevant, you are influential, and you are called to unveil truth for color, to light the world with color, and to share your color. And I hope that you'll continue to join us on Color Speak wherever you find your podcasts and on Grace and Truth Radio World. This is J.M. Huxley for Truth Talk on Color Speak, unveiling truth for color.